Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So today I wanted to talk about just how uncomfortable many people are on the inside. So the way that I find this out as a psychologist is by encountering people in everyday life. For example, I had a coworker who said, I will never go to therapy because I don't even want to know what's in there. And I do see that a lot. Sometimes people are less honest about it. And sometimes people are more honest. I've even heard people say, I don't want to take a psychology class because I don't want to know about psychology or what's going on inside my own head. I've even had people get weird with me when they meet me. They might sometimes act a little bit cold or aloof and I don't know why because I haven't done anything to create any sort of problem. And then I realized, oh yeah, I introduced myself and said that I was a psychologist. And so sometimes it's about being weird. Sometimes people are downright hostile. I had a guy I met once who was an accountant who basically said, you know, what I do is real numbers are real, I deal with numbers, psychology is not real, and I don't even want to hear about what you do. So it's very interesting because I know that that's not about me. I know it's not about being angry about psychology. I think it's more about being afraid of encountering somebody who might know or might say what's happening inside of him and he probably didn't want to know what's inside of him. Now these are just sort of my normal everyday interactions with people and this sort of comes up in these kinds of ways, but it comes up a lot when people are coming to therapy for the first time in their life. And sometimes I forget if people are coming to therapy for the first time in their life, I forget to sort of talk to them about what it's like. A lot of people who are in therapy have at least been to a session before or a couple sessions or family therapy or something before they get to working on deep stuff with me. And so everybody kind of knows the deal once they've been through it the first time. So when people do come in and it is their first time experiencing therapy ever, they have a lot of concerns that they may or may not say. Sometimes they tell me up front what their concerns are and sometimes it comes out later. And the concerns have to do with being uncomfortable about what's inside of themselves. For example, a lot of people will tell me that they're afraid of, or they've been afraid of going to therapy because they feel like 
the level of crazy that they personally are, they probably don't want to know about. That they're going to sit down with me and they're going to say, these are the problems in my life. And I'm going to say, oh my gosh, you're so much crazier than you think you are. You have no idea. And people are afraid of that happening and they're afraid of what they're going to do with that information if they find out that they are so crazy that the level of crazy is so big that they won't be able to manage it, that they will be completely overwhelmed and find it find themselves unable to really handle it. And so thus far in their lives, they have avoided going to therapy because they are really uncomfortable about what could be on the inside. And I think there is sort of this weird fear in our society that somehow a psychologist is going to figure out just how crazy you are and you're going to get locked up in a mental hospital and it's going to be just like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that that it's just going to be nuts and the nursing staff isn't going to care and you're going to be locked in there forever and you'll never get out and you'll wear a straitjacket. I mean, I think that the things that used to happen to people who had mental health issues is still kind of the fear today that these things are going to happen again, that somehow people are going to get locked away and locked up and put in a straitjacket and abused and all these things. And so there's sort of this unconscious fear of that happening too. Now, a lot of people come in and they're afraid of what's on the inside because the belief is that there's some dark shit there and I'm evil and I'm going to find out just how evil I am. And I can't say that in my entire career I have ever met anybody that I actually thought was evil. I can say that I have met people who I thought were raised by evil people or had interacted with evil people, but evil people don't usually show up in therapy trying to make themselves better. And so I would say chances are if you have decided to go and work on yourself, you're probably not evil. And there is nothing dark inside of you that is any different than any other person's darkness, per se. The other one I get is that people are afraid on the inside that they're so crazy that I, the psychologist, that I will not exactly know what to do with the person because... It's so crazy, it's so different crazy, that I've never seen it before. That it's some kind of unique special brand of crazy that I have never seen before and none of my colleagues have ever seen before either. So 
that's never happened. I think at this stage in the game, everything that I have ever seen fits into the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Every kind of crazy that I have ever seen is either a diagnosis that exists or symptoms of a diagnosis that exists. And there is nothing, trust me, there is nothing unique about your brand of crazy. Everybody has crazy within limits. Now, another thing that people are afraid of on the inside is the idea that in therapy, it will come out, all the problems will come out, and the person will feel so lost by knowing the information about what's inside of them and that they can't really trust themselves to be in control of it all, that they won't be able to handle it when they start to deal with all of the problems that are inside. And I can say that I have seen a lot of people with a lot of problems, even when we're talking about somebody who has years of trauma because, say, for example, they were physically abused for a number of years. And we don't have to process through every single event of abuse in this case. We just have to process through the pattern of the feelings associated with the abuse. And once we do that, we're good. And so people won't get lost because there are patterns and there are not hundreds of different problems. There are patterns of problems and issues that have plagued a person in their lifetime and they can be boiled down to just a few things. I would say always that things can be boiled down to a small number of problems and issues and it's not as big as you think it is. So what I also see is that it's not that people are uncomfortable with everything that's on the inside. They're only uncomfortable with certain things on the inside. And so there are some things that they are happy with. And so those things might be their ability to cope, that they have some coping skills that they're used to and they don't want to lose whatever shred of coping they already have. So people will say to me, I'm afraid that therapy will change who I am. That somehow it's going to not only change your personality, which it doesn't do, 
but it is also going to strip you of your coping skills. So whatever coping skills you had before, they will all be gone and you'll have to deal with it and you won't have any way of dealing with it. And everything will be much, much worse. And I can tell you that that won't happen either. That when people start to deal with what's on the inside of them, they will use the old coping skills no matter what they learn. And if that's you, you will continue to use the same coping skills that you have always used until you get new ones. And that's what we do in therapy too, is we make sure that people have better coping skills. So this is how people who are uncomfortable with what's going on inside of them deal with going to therapy. Although I have to say that people who have all these fears about going to therapy for the first time, the fact that they, one, show up, and two, are willing to share what they're scared about is already putting them on the path to recovery. You are on the path to recovery if you can walk into a therapist's office and just talk about what you're afraid of happening and what you're afraid therapy is and isn't going to do. You have already made a huge step, and I think you should congratulate yourself for being even there, because that is so much further along than so many other people. And so we see these other people often. We see people who are uncomfortable with what's going on inside of themselves, and we see it playing out in a variety of ways. And I'm talking about the people who aren't going to get help, the people who have no intention of walking through a therapist's door. They are the people who have mastered distraction in their life. Because people who are really good at distracting themselves and have made an art out of it are the people who are the most afraid of what's going on on the inside. And it plays out in a number of ways. There are coping skills for people who fall into this category. One of the ways I see this play out is when I talk to people about their vacation plans. Now, there are two types of vacation plans. There are the types of vacations where people go to a place and they have about a hundred things on the list of what they have to do and what they have to get done while they are traveling to this new location. And that makes vacation more of a chore than anything else, in my opinion. It makes it unfun, in my opinion. But for the most part, there are a lot of people who fill up their vacation schedule either ahead of time or right when they get there. But it is a full schedule from morning until night until it's over. 
And that's one way of trying to go on vacation. Another way of going on vacation is to show up in some super relaxing environment and just kind of lay around and relax and maybe get up every once in a while and go get something to eat. But for the most part, it's very slow paced and there is a lot of downtime. There's a lot of quiet time. And so the difference between somebody who goes on vacation and needs something to happen from morning until evening every single day and the person who goes on vacation to relax and rest is that the person who goes on vacation to relax and rest is comfortable with what is happening on the inside. That a person who can actually have quiet time can tolerate the thoughts in their own head. They can be comfortable with whatever dreams they might fall into. They can be comfortable with whatever fleeting thoughts they might have. They can be comfortable with anything they think about that they end up analyzing. They're cool with all that stuff. And I get it, you know, not everybody wants to lay around an entire vacation. There is a a certain amount of boredom that comes with being on a vacation that's not super exciting. But I noticed that the full agenda type of people, when they even think about a vacation that consists of relaxation, they almost get angry about it. Like, that's awful. I would never want to do that. That's a terrible thing. What a waste, right? It's almost like an anger. And that, to me, indicates something else is going on. The idea of sitting alone with your thoughts and allowing whatever to happen, happen, is very uncomfortable. Now, we see distraction also in other ways. We see people trying to distract themselves by being extremely social. And if you're an extremely social person, Maybe it means you spend time with large groups of people, that your social calendar is always full. And sometimes it doesn't even mean that. Sometimes it means maybe you're not so social, but you engage in pro-social behaviors, meaning that you are always showing up to obligations, social obligations. When someone is sick, you are always there. You're always thinking about them. And so the idea is that people who are uncomfortable with what's inside of them can find a way to distract themselves by focusing on other people. And so that's another form of distraction. Now, It's not unhealthy to be social, but if you always have to be social or you always have to be pro-social or you always have to be concerned 
about how other people are doing and checking in constantly with other people and you don't do the same for yourself, meaning you don't check in on the inside with yourself and think about how you're feeling, chances are you're using other people as a distraction to avoid the discomfort inside. And we see this too with people who are extreme athletes or people who over-exercise, people who take it to the extreme. Of course, you should exercise to keep healthy regularly. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the people who are the extremes, who fill up an entire day's schedule with some form of physical activity. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for three hours and then I'm going to meet my friend to go paddle boarding and then we're going to go hiking or then I'm going to meet another person to go do this. And when the schedule is filled with all kinds of activities that have to do with challenging your body over and over and over again, and there isn't any rest, and then when you're finished with the day, all you have is exhaustion, well, that's another way of avoiding the thoughts and feelings on the inside. You've come up with another way to avoid what's going on internally by focusing on your body and being exhausted enough to Instead of making the conscious effort to rest, you just poop out at the end of the day because you got nothing left and you don't even have to think about how you're going to go to sleep or have thoughts before you go to sleep. You just pass out. And so that's another way of distracting. Another way that we're all familiar with is the idea of people with addictions, people who decide to use substances instead of dealing with unpleasant thoughts or unpleasant feelings. Known somebody or you yourself are somebody who has experienced addiction, one of the things about addiction is that A person who is addicted, when they no longer have the substance, they still are avoidant in some way. And for some addicts, that means they trade in one addiction for another. That might mean giving up alcohol and taking up cigarettes or caffeine or painkillers or something else. Or it means becoming some other type of distracted and avoidant. And that might take a number of different forms, some of the forms I just mentioned, but also workaholism. People who are workaholics who have to work all the time are doing so to avoid what is on the inside. They are uncomfortable with their thoughts and feelings and they distract themselves by working too much or, you know, by becoming completely dedicated to their work. 
Now, the problem with workaholics and even the problem with many athletes is that our society absolutely positively reinforces people with these issues for doing what they do. Certainly, if your body is super fit, the world is going to support that. They're going to tell you how great you are, how great you look, how tough you are, how you're such a hard worker, how disciplined you are. And the same with workaholics. The world is going to tell them that they are, they have a great work ethic, that that they are a model for other people, that they are so dedicated, that they have their priorities right. The world reinforces people who use these things for distraction because the world often doesn't understand that, that these things are used to avoid what is uncomfortable on the inside. It's hard to understand the world outside of psychology has a lot of trouble understanding that people who are doing seemingly healthy things are in fact trying to avoid what is on the inside. And so the only thing I can say in terms of how to understand or deal with this is to recognize that we all inside of ourselves have the truth, we have a soul, we have some part of us, we might even call it an instinct, that in the beginning of our lives, before all the neuroses set in, before we had the problems of the world around us, before we had people making our lives difficult or traumatizing us, before we had the struggles of life, there was this innocent being inside of us that was healthy and hadn't yet experienced the trauma or the anxiety, or the depression, or anything like that, that was carefree. There was a part of us that didn't know yet that was carefree, that felt safe. Even if we're just talking about when you were in the womb, there was a time where this being inside of you had not been exposed to all of the stuff that troubles you now. And it's still there. That part of you is still there underneath all of the junk, all of the stuff, all the stuff that you are trying to avoid. It's there, it's underneath it all. And that's the truth about therapy, that when you come in and you're trying to work on yourself, we're just trying to clear out the garbage that got piled on top of that soul inside of you. And when we clear that out, happiness is possible. It is possible for you to find peace and calm and contentment that is possible. 
but you do have to kind of roll through some of the junk. You do have to examine the uncomfortable parts of yourself in order to clear it all out, in order to get to that contentment and that happiness. And know that it's there, it's always been there, it is inside of you, and it's possible. Be well, and thank you for listening.